the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, and I am live back from vacation, and it was great to have a week off. And I want to thank Pastor Dudley Rutherford, the senior pastor of Shepherd Church in Porter Ranch in the Los Angeles area, for sitting in and doing such a great job. I hope that you enjoyed him. He had some great guests, didn't he? He had a really great week. And uh, I'm really proud that he was able to sit here and uh, be in this chair and uh, and talk to you. And I got to tell you what, I had a great time with my family. First vacation we've had in forever. Um, and um, we've had a few like shorter trips here and there. And somebody's always sick. Right, or there's something that happened. So uh, we that didn't happen. Well, it happened on the way home. Johnny got a little sick on the airplane because we had some uh, turbulence. And uh, by turbulence, I mean roller coaster type of turbulence, right? Uh, it doesn't bother me anymore, that kind of thing, because I figure, well, if the, you know, the wings fall off, then they fall off. But uh, I did close the window. I'm like, I don't need to see the wing flapping like a hummingbird. I'll just keep going. And then I was sitting next to John, who decided to um, use the little white bag in front of him. And other than that, though, we, and that was on the way back. So we had a great time. And, uh, and, but it is great to be back with you. You know, it's one of those things that I, uh, wondered about being here in this new role. First time I've been away, uh, since I started last year. And I thought, you know, when you go on vacation, do you feel like, oh, you know, I just wish I could stay? You know, and uh, I thought about it. We did get to go to Hawaii. And I thought, there's a Salem station in Hawaii. I could do the show from there. But I'm really glad to be back. Plus, I love Southern California. Got to come back in L.A. Love it. Love the palm trees here. It's just freezing here compared to there. But uh, really glad to be back. So it is good to be back with you. The number is 888-528-2557 if you want to join our conversation. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Got to spend time with, uh, you know, the best time I've had in a long time, really, with my kids, where I was able to stay unplugged mostly. I keep an eye on what's going on in the news, uh, but uh, I unplugged quite a bit. And, you know, the things that I started seeing, and that we talk about here and there, you know, often on our program, because it's always a big deal, is what's happening to our kids. It's terrifying, you know, what's going on in this world today, and in particular with education. And I think that one of the things that's a discipline for us in the church that we need to be able to do, people who are Christians, when I say in the church, I don't mean just your congregation. I mean, everybody who calls themselves a Christian. I think this is important for us because we're to be the light of the world. I think there's a place for us to to stand up for truth. Um we are living in a world where our kids are being sold all kinds of things that aren't true, and they're they're taking it in. This is a clip um, from uh, a woman named Kristen Hawkins who runs an anti-abortion group, and she goes to all the college campuses. And she, if you look her up, her name is uh, Kristen, Kristen Hawkins, H-A-W-K-I-N-S, Kristen with a K, K-R-I-S-T-A-N. And she faces fierce, 
fierce uh, ridicule from people. Here's just a sample of it right here. And the issue here is she's talking about abortion is kind of the subject, but somebody is asking, you can barely hear this question, so I just want to let you know. Somebody is asking, what about um, trying to make the point that men can have babies too? Basically, why aren't you including men or trans men, uh, non-binary men, whatever the different categories are, in your discussion of who can have babies? And here's how this goes. And if you listen to uh, her presentations, they're brutal. And when I when I've seen a lot of these, but one of the things that occurs to me is how many people are in that room who fully believe that you can be a man and have a womb, that uh, you're not just a woman who is pretending to be a man or who thinks she's a man, but you're actually a woman. Um, and these are kids who grew up with this. In some cases, they get indoctrinated when they go to college, but in other ways, they've been indoctrinated already. And I think about this a lot with my kids. I think about what kinds of things are are being told to them in the schools. Now, we're blessed that we have got our kids in a private school, and we sacrifice a lot for that, uh, a lot, a lot for that. It's not easy, but I encourage you, if you can, to do whatever you can to pay attention to what your kids are being taught and to get your kids out of that. Because, I, you know, the one thing that's really interesting is that your your kids are with the teacher longer than they're with you. And they're with their friends and they're with their music and they're with their their movies and whatever else is influencing them in very subtle ways, right? And they are being told very explicitly to not trust your parents. This is happening a lot on the social media that your kids are are into and maybe watching and and scrolling on their phones. Your kids have a phone? Like what's the right age to to give your kid a phone? When I was a kid, nobody had a phone. Nobody had phones. I, I knew a guy who had like a car phone, like one of those original car phones. And it was, I don't know what year this was, 1984 or something, which is an appropriate year to mention. But he had this cool car phone. He had this Mercedes Benz. And I remember going out to his car. I think this guy was the husband of my dad's cousin who came to visit one time. And I got to make a call from this car phone. It was an incredible thing. But it was all tied into the phone. It weighed 30 pounds or into the tied into the car. That was it. You know, we didn't have phones. We had little you know, all the phones were wired. And if you didn't, you know, if, if you were gone from the house, nobody knew how to reach you. If you weren't in the office or weren't where you typically are or weren't near a phone, you're just out. If I left the house as a kid, I'd get on my bike and I'd be gone in the morning, summer vacation, right? I would be gone all day. My parents, either they were following me around, which now that I'm a parent, I wonder how often I was followed around, um, or they just had no idea where I was. And I was at I was at shopping centers. I was out in the desert riding my bicycle, going off jumps. I remember jumping over this jump. Somebody set up this plank, you know, cardboard uh, pressed wood jump over this ravine, which probably was bigger in my mind than it was in real life. And you could jump if you got enough speed on your dirt bike, you could jump right over it. And I remember doing this 
quite often and thinking, and I'm alone. I'm like really far. No one's looking. And I'm doing this. And one time I hit the thing wrong and the, the, the seat came off my bike and I didn't make it. And I landed in the bottom of this ravine, which thankfully was kind of sandy, you know, with all the sediment there from the water. But I thought, you know, if I had broken something or if I had been worse hurt, no one would know where I was. That's a that's an era I think that is gone now. That's an era that I don't think people, maybe if you're younger, you don't recognize anymore. And I, I like to know where my kids are, but my kids don't have phones. My 13-year-old reminds me of this every day. He's, he doesn't seem embittered by this, but he does make a joke about it, uh, that he is the only one in his class without a phone. And I think he might actually be the only one in his class without a phone. I think he might be the, like, literally the only one. And I have locked down the internet in our house. I filter things out as much as I can. Um, but at some point, he's going to have to get a phone. There's, there's even an expectation now from schools that, uh, you know, you do some work on a phone. He, in fact, he has to borrow his mom's phone already to scan things in as homework. I don't know why he doesn't borrow, you know, borrow my phone, but to scan things in to send, turn in some assignments. So we're putting in the hands of our kids pornography devices, which is what they are, devices where you have the influences of social media and other things that are teaching things that are not true and teaching things and creating all kinds of different social problems, the inability to actually speak to other people. I was speaking with a police officer a couple of years ago now, and his job was to train police officers, which is a big deal in the news today with different things. We talked about that a little bit in the last hour, what's going on in Memphis. And of course, one of the questions with that is the training issue. And I was talking to him about training. That's his job. And you know what he said to me was just profound. And he's frustrated. He'd been doing this for a long time. He says it used to be that you would, when you're training new police officers, that you, you pull up somewhere. And if there's some people loitering or just kind of standing around, you don't know why they're there. You send the trainee, the police officers being trained, out to just go ask them what, what are they up to. Hey, what's going on? How are you guys doing? Uh, what are you guys up to? And to start a conversation and to relate. And he said, you know, sometimes they're not up to good things, and so you disperse them and maybe you've prevented a crime. Other times it's just people hanging out. And the best thing that can happen is you actually have a good conversation and you say, I'm officer so-and-so, and, and you get to know the people in the community. And it's you know, community policing is a really good thing. He goes, the hard part today, he says, is the young officers don't know how to have conversations because all they can do is text. He says, if, if I knew the phone number of the, the kids hanging out on the corner and he could text them, it would be no problem. He could text them and have a great conversation. But his frustration is that today, young people who are growing up now and getting regular jobs like police officers or anything else, pastors, whoever it is, uh, struggle in having conversation because we are so attached to our devices and we are attached then to devices that don't speak the truth, that don't even give you kind of the truth of experience, right? Experience gives you a lot of, a lot of truth, right? You get to know people, you get to know how to interact, you get to know how people are when you are with them. Um, somebody once said experience is the best teacher. It's not really true. Evaluated experience is the best teacher, Right, you can experience the same thing over and over again and keep making the same mistakes over and over again if you don't evaluate. You gotta evaluate that experience. But evaluated experience is a good, a very good teacher, and part of that experience is how we interact with people, people who like us, people who don't like us, people we have something in common with, people who we don't. 
uh, people of different backgrounds, that relationship matters, and that is something that's being taken away. There is something really important for us to not be passive about, and that's one of the questions I have for you right now. How does the church not be passive in a culture that is very deliberately teaching things that are not true? How do we, you know, how do we not, when I say not be passive, it's because I think that we talk about it. We talk about it in our shows. We talk about it in our church sometimes. Sometimes we don't talk about it in church at all. But even when we are, we either um, can't figure out what's the next step or we sort of become politically partisan too far. I mean, there's certain things that are right and left that you got to speak out about, but there are a lot of things. Like I think the gender issues, I don't think they're right and left. I think most people agree that men are men and women are women, that there's two genders. That's what I think. I think almost everybody actually agrees with that, uh, whether you're left or right. And it's causing so many problems when we are in a world today where you're being forced to accept a far left agenda that's telling you that that isn't true. And it's messing up the kids, and it's teaching them some stuff that's not right. This concerns me greatly. You're listening to Southern California Live. If you'd like to join my conversation, the number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Let's go to Bill in Redondo Beach. Bill, welcome to Southern California Live. Yeah, let me, uh, Scott, let me bring a little sense of history into this thing. If you went back to your, when you were a kid or you went back 60 years ago when John Kennedy was president, can you imagine people who were then in their 30s or 40s and went through the World War II Depression era, if somebody had come up to them and said, hey, what do you think of the idea that men can have babies? What do you think the majority, the percentage of adults' response would have been to that absurd question? Do you think they would have taken it seriously? They would have laughed it off, right? Yeah. All right? You're right. Okay. So if the majority of people since the beginning of time understood that that was idiotic, if in one generation we've come to accept something that was rejected by every previous generation, then who are the people with the common sense and who are the stupid ones? The stupid ones are the ones who have accepted this. And and um, and, you're, and the other thing is is that you're right. We are attempting to do something that no other society has ever done before. We're trying to get rid of everything that ever was. And I think that the hippies and the counterculture promoted this idea in the 60s, and that was a bad thing that freedom means you can do whatever you want. You don't have to have boundaries. Well, what we're talking about is if you don't have boundaries or standards or principles, how can a civilization survive? Seriously. Yeah, you know, I think that, you know, freedom, there used to be something, Bill, that's the idea that, you know, people still say this, like, I'm not hurting anybody um, with my drug abuse or with things that I'm doing in my private time or whatever, but it's not true. Uh, look at no. what the homeless problem is in Southern California. Most no. of those people did no. not set out to be homeless, um, but they're causing everybody a lot of problems. The the healthcare system is in trouble, actually, not because of people's injuries, but because of things that people do to themselves, the result of things they do in their private time. That's what makes us often yeah. sick, and it's yeah. causing tax problems and um, other things. You know, you know something, you're right, and this is the thing, and then what happens is, People become brainwashed to believe that everything that's happening now was always like this. You didn't have homeless encampments 50 years ago in the streets and people sleeping in cars. And then all of a sudden you can't talk about it. If, you, if, this is, if in any other era, if somebody had seen you know, this, uh, something occur, Scott, that had not previously been there, their mouths would have dropped down. Like They would have said, hey, what's going on here? But you've got a lot of people that get used to this, and it's not – and there's something wrong with that kind of mindset, that kind of mental mindset. You, 
was like indoctrinated, like the movie The Manchurian Candidate with Frank Sinatra. That's a great movie, by the way. It shows what happens when people get brainwashed. Yeah. You can get them to do anything. Am I making sense of the points I'm making? Yeah, I understand. Here's here's what I'm kind of getting at, though. I think, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think that most people today actually don't agree with a lot of this agenda. I think, though, that we go along yeah. with it. That's what scares, that's what's concerning, right, is that yes. when when tyranny happens or when bad things happen, it's not that most people agreed with it, it's because they didn't speak up and they didn't actually do anything. You know, on a final point here, I was watching an interview with uh, Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, Rita Moreno, and I've met Rita Moreno before, and we had a conversation about this whole cancel culture and the cussing, and she hated it because she said she wasn't raised that way. It's too bad that a couple of years ago when they had a whole that whole thing on, you know, that over the West Side story thing, she kind of buckled under. And then you have Sally Field. Okay, these women are doing it. It's a movie coming out. It looks cute. You know, 80 for Brady. But in the interview, there was not one question or anything raised by these three women, by these four women who were at a certain age where, you know, you think they'd have some maturity. And they did, it's all fluff stuff, and I'm thinking that's the problem, Scott. It isn't just the young people. It's the baby boomers and the pre-boomers. Three of these four women are pre-boomers. And they're talented actresses, but it's the failure of the middle-aged and the older people to speak out. And yet if you went back in any other year and brought people back, they would have been appalled and spoken out against this nonsense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think so. So my question for us today, and Bill, I appreciate your call. Thank you sure. very much for calling yeah, and welcome. listening. My question for us today is, how do we speak out effectively? So what I mean by that is it's – I don't think it's enough just to say what needs to be said. Uh, I don't think it's enough just to stand up and say, look, there's only two genders and I don't want you teaching my kids uh, that there's something different here. There's Because that that argument I think is made by a lot of people, a lot of parents, but we're not – very successful. There's a there's a place where we're making some success in voting. We're in some parts of the country, not in our part of the country, by the way, but in some parts of the country, school boards have changed completely, and some of the curriculums are being changed. And you know this this has gone so far, and all of it's the same thing. All of this this stuff, and you know, Bill uh, was talking about going back into um, you know the World War II generation and what they would have thought of it. I think that even just the the last generation. 15 years ago, people would have thought this was crazy. Uh, not as many as you'd think because it was developing. It's been developing since uh, the 60s, this way of thought. And all the weird stuff that's going on the is all part of the same thing. Uh, and it's to undo everything. My, my take on it spiritually is that what we're doing is we're undoing Genesis 1 through 3. That we're getting rid of, like, people wouldn't put it in those terms, but I would say pastorally and spiritually, what's happening is, is if you get rid of Genesis 1, 2, and 3, then you don't have a creator, you don't have sin, you don't have a fall, you don't have any authority in heaven, you don't have any authority outside of who you are, we're just people. Uh, and then you don't have to have male and female, he created them, you can just do it however you want to. There's, there's really no basis for any sort of moral law at all. And that's what we're seeing in our society, by the way. When we ask how can this happen and why do we see these shootings that keep happening and why do we see the the police officer beatings that, you know, what we saw this weekend doesn't even make any sense. Uh, not that it would ever make sense, but it's just so 
I think getting harder and harder. It's because we're rejecting Genesis one through three, rejecting God. We're rejecting God as creator, which means he has no authority. And it means that there's no morality. There's no law. There's nothing else. And that this has been taught. Here's the the main thing. This has been taught to our kids. It isn't that the society just woke up and changed its, its mindset on something a few years ago. This has been going on now for generations through the school systems. And can I share this with you real quick? Can I encourage you if you've got kids or grandkids don't be passive on this with your kids because they're being taught. They're being taught things that they're also being taught to not tell you or they don't want to tell you, or it's an embarrassing topic. This topic, your, you know, your, your middle school kid is not going to come and talk to you about transgenderism and those kinds of things that might be being told at school. You know, you're, you're, I saw this thing today. I'm going to buy this too. Somebody created the middle school boy flag and I have a middle school boy and a soon to be middle school boy. On the middle school boy flag is a picture of a swimming trunks, a snowflake, and underneath it, uh, it says, uh, it's not cold at all, which I think is hilarious because that's what my boy, that's what, that's what they say. But what's being taught underneath that is a whole lot of stuff philosophically that sinks in over time. Can I encourage you to be involved with your kids at their school? And if you can do something to change their situation, homeschool or private school, do that. Uh, if you're in the L.A. area, there is a program at KKLA called Half Price Tuition. If you're wondering how to get your kid into a a private school, you know, you're thinking about the money and it's hard. It's It costs some money. How do I get started? Getting started, let me tell you, as somebody who has been in private school and my parents have told me how they pulled it off and it was hard and we're doing it for our kids, it's hard, but it's worth it because of the moral grounding that they're going to get in the right school. If you go to KKLA.com and click on the Half Price Tuition banner, many Christian schools in the Southland are offering half-price tuition, and you can sign up for that. We're going to do a show on it next week. Uh, But just click on the half-price tuition banner, and uh, you can see a list of schools, and talk about it. Talk about it with your your spouse or your your grandchildren or your children if they've got kids. Make an investment, because these things that we're going to talk about, that we're talking about right now, these come from the schools, ultimately. This change has happened because we have allowed it to happen under our noses in the schools, and it's very, very scary. You can find out about that half-price tuition at kkla.com. All right, when I come back, uh, remember the guy who was the uh, the guy got sued because he didn't want to make a cake for a same-sex wedding? That guy's uh, had another court decision uh, made where he lost recently, and I'm going to tell you what that is, and it's part of the same thing. I'll tell you about that as soon as we get back, so don't go away. You're listening to Southern California Live I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Monday edition of SoCal Live continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you live back in the studio today. Great to be with you. Number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Um, you know, remember the guy who, uh, his name is Jack Phillips and he's the Colorado baker who was sued, uh, or he was, he was, uh, he went to the Supreme court to fight against a Colorado agency that was trying to make him make a cake against his religious beliefs to do a wedding cake for a same sex marriage. And, uh, he won his case ultimately at the Supreme court that voted seven to two, by the way, um, and what they ruled was this. They ruled that the that the state, Colorado, had acted with a clear and impermissible hostility. That's the term that the Supreme Court used. 
clear and impermissible hostility toward Jack's religious beliefs violating the First Amendment. And um, so, you know, what was happening there is they didn't necessarily rule that uh, he doesn't have to make the cake for a same-sex wedding exactly. But what he what they ruled was that the uh, Colorado Civil Rights Commission that was pursuing legal rights, a legal action against him, uh, after he declined to make this custom cake for somebody, that they were going after him explicitly because of his faith. And I think that's one of the most important things to realize about this case here is that what actually was happening here is a government agency was the ones going after him. Now, he won that case in 2018. Well, he's in the news again because uh, he's being targeted again. Same guy being targeted again. And this time, uh, he's been targeted a couple times. He was he was asked to uh, create a cake with Satan smoking a joint. And uh, that one didn't go anywhere in the courts. But you can kind of tell the uh, the mindset of people who are coming into his cake shop uh, the Masterpiece Cake Shop, and requesting stuff like that, right? They're mocking him is what that's about. You know, uh, I suppose there's somebody out there who would get a kick out of a cake like that, um, but there's other shops who would make it with a kick, if you know what I mean. And uh, his won't. <clears throat> well, that one didn't go anywhere. That was prob- that was just somebody being uh, cruel. But the same person, uh, apparently, I believe it's the same person, came in and wanted him to make a cake that celebrated somebody's gender transition. So it was going to be blue on the outside and pink on the inside um, because they went from male to female. He refused. And so now this is back in the courts. And uh, what happened is he lost a state appeals court decision um, that is going to – this is going to go to the Supreme Court again. But he asked the Colorado Court of Appeals to uphold his First Amendment rights after a trial court issued the first ruling uh, that said he cannot decline to make that cake for gender transition. And now his appeal, he has lost. And, you know, they're going with the same thing again. And this is the, this is the world that we're living in here. Um, probably he's going to win this case, maybe not seven to two. It might be six to three or five to four, but that's getting pretty close here. I think he'll, he'll win ultimately. Okay. Um, but when we have religious beliefs... And, of course, this is being done against Christians. They're not going into a Muslim cake shop uh, or even a Jewish cake shop where somebody might decline that. Uh, Part of the argument, too, is that there's plenty of cake shops, right? And I think where ultimately this is going to go is you're clearly targeting this guy because of his belief. You know, why don't you just go to some other cake shop that'll do it? I'm sure there are other bakers in town. His cakes can't be that good. I mean, they're probably really good. Maybe, Maybe he's the best in town. I don't know. I'm skeptical about wedding cakes and the kind of cakes at these kinds of things anyway. They're usually disappointing. In fact, when I do weddings, I always tell the couple, hey, whenever you want people to leave because you want to go, serve the cake. If you want people to stay, don't serve the cake. Everyone really is just there for the cake anyway. You know, they come for the ceremony and they put up with it, but they're thinking about the cake. And when they go over to the reception area, what do they do? Well, they look at the cake. And they're thinking that's going to be good. And they're wondering what's inside. Is it is it chocolate or vanilla? Or is it yellow cake? Maybe it's some kind of marble. Is there fruit inside? I hope not. And then you get the cake, and often it's just not that good. And that's why they go home, because now they're disappointed. They've had all this buildup <laughs> for the cake. And as soon as you serve them the cake, they're done. They're going home. That's like, oh, that was not as good as I thought. Um, 
I know that there's some good wedding cakes out there, but maybe just as a pastor, I've grown a little cynical because I've had a lot of wedding cakes and there's only a few that I thought were pretty good. I tried to get Christy to let us have a Krispy Kreme cake, which you can do, where you just, they take the the glazed donuts and they just make big circles of them for as many guests as you have. And then everybody gets a donut and you just take it off the thing. Uh, Christy did not go for that. Uh, We had a cake. And actually, we did have somebody make it. It was good. Anyway, this guy's being forced to make this cake, and uh, he lost. And gratefully, he's being defended by Alliance Defending Freedom. So it's a good organization. I worked with them once for an issue at our church. I I can't really talk about it, but we had the state come after us for something. And it was completely unconstitutional what the state was doing, like literally specifically unconstitutional. And the ADF lawyer we were working with said to me that if this were any of the other 49 states other than California, they said that we would tell you this is a clerical error and what you should do is write a letter and get it cleaned up. But because you're in California, we think this is deliberate. And I got to tell you what, I can't get into the, the details on that, but we lost and we lost in the appeals uh, there's sort of a uh, you know an arbitration setup that we lost at. They lied about the situation. I was in this this room, this courtroom, like a administrative judge is what it was, and it was me and a couple of witnesses and a couple of people. There would have been a total of five people in the room, including the judge. Well, the judge comes out and sees that I brought an attorney with me, and didn't like that. And so the judge says to me, there's not enough room for you in here. And I was not the one presenting the argument. I would have given testimony. And she says to me, there's not enough room. You know, I had just had a tiny little courtroom and uh, we'll come get you when it's time. And I said, fine. And I've been in those tiny courtrooms. You know, I once went to traffic court and it was room for three people in there. It was like a closet. They put a judge behind a desk and it was me and my dad. I was a kid and I got a ticket and uh, I was in a lot more trouble from my dad at the time. Anyway, there was, I, so I imagined the same sort of administrative little courtroom. There's really not room in there. Well, by the, by the time I go in there, there's 40 seats in there. There was plenty of room for people. And she just flat out lied to me. She didn't want me in there. And that was the experience that we have. And the lawyer knew that and we lost that appeal. And it was, the lawyer was there to point out that what you're, what the state is doing here is unconstitutional. And it was plainly unconstitutional. So completely unconstitutional. And the reason they were doing it is that it's one of the agendas out there is to separate schools from churches or, you know, nonprofits that church runs. Like maybe your church has a, a preschool or another school or it has a uh, a separate entity mission organization, for example. Um, this isn't what it was about, but our church had uh, for a while one of those organizations that we were a part of that um, you pack all these meals. If you've done one of these things, it's a great thing for you to do at your church or your company. You can pack thousands of meals, these little uh, zip bags uh, full of nutritious meals, and then send them to people in need anywhere in the world. And we used to do that. Um, and what the state is trying to do is strip away religious rights for churches, meaning for churches who have employees or volunteers who work in these organizations, meaning that uh, as a church, you can discriminate, uh, say, against people of a different faith. So as the pastor of a church, I don't have to hire you if you are uh, Muslim or Jehovah's Witness or some other religion, and I shouldn't have to hire you, you know, for that. And if you're the Muslim, uh, you know, mosque down the street, you shouldn't have to hire the, you know, the Baptist kid to be your youth director. You shouldn't have to do that. Uh, You shouldn't be forced to do that. 
Well, for whatever reason, that's the that's the agenda here in California. We lost everything. We came to a place where it didn't. We didn't have any actual costs. It was just this weird thing. In fact, we, they couldn't actually do anything because it was unconstitutional, and there wasn't a path to do anything when we lost because it's illegal. You know, you can't really. It's really hard to get a governmental organization to have paperwork to fill out for an illegal thing. Um, that's what is is happening. Uh, in our world today. And what, I, what I'm trying to make the point here is that it is time that we stand up. It's long overdue, okay? But what I want to know is what's the best way to actually do this? Because this has been going on a long time and people have been saying we need to, we need to stand up for our faith or religious rights or our country or just whatever the truth is. And certain people, lots of people do stand up, but the agenda is still moving forward. And I'm thinking there's got to be a better way. And don't tell me that, oh, it's time to arm ourselves. No, it's not. It's not the same thing as the founding fathers and, you know, what they did. They wrote a letter is what they did. And then and they were the ones being attacked by violence first. And then they wrote a letter to get out of it called the Declaration of Independence. They knew it was going to lead to war, but uh, that's they didn't start it. We don't want to do that. But we do need to stand up for what is true. Is there some ways to do this better? I think that there is. I think that there is a better path. I think that we have to be truthful is the big thing and not get caught up in the things that aren't really truthful or that are just really partisan, but not really left, not really true or false, just sort of a different way to do things. But I want you to know that, that this is a serious time that Christians are, are being targeted just like Jack Phillips, the cake maker in who now will be in court. He's in his 11th year now dealing with people targeting him about making cakes. Uh, That should send up alarms for any of us, any of our businesses, any of the things that we do. Somebody who just wants to make us the example or, you know, really they're, they're doing this to get it in the courts because they want to see the courts force Christians to accept things or religious people to accept things that go against their faith. Uh, that will start to undermine the separation of church and state. It will undermine what churches are able to do uh, in the culture. What it does is it creates a, a church that is forced to stay within their four walls but can't express their faith outside. That's the, you know, the, where this is headed. And that is a scary thing. And worse than that, where a lot of these things are headed, like the gender thing, where it's going, in my opinion, is a whole bunch of kids who are making terrible decisions about gender transition at this point in their life, including the worst of of gender surgeries and puberty blockers and things like that, who are doing it in the name of not committing suicide now. It's what you're being told as a parent, you know, well, do you like a a, uh, dead son or a a live daughter, Uh, which is a horrific thing to say to a parent. I think where this is going, though, is 10 years from now or 15 years from now. I don't think I think where this goes is a bunch of very angry people who were lied to by the culture where there will probably be, sadly, mass suicide. Hopefully there will be mass people coming to Jesus. Hopefully there will be people who go, I got to find truth somewhere, and they find it in Jesus. We need to make sure that this culture understands that Jesus is the truth, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. We have got to, as believers, get on that page of speaking the truth where we can and not be intimidated. I don't even know that we are intimidated. I think maybe we just don't know how serious this is. I th- I do think it's a big deal. I got to take a break. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. 
800-242-2557. This is Southern California Live. I'll be back as the Monday edition continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Cindy Williams, who plays Shirley, opposite of Penny Marshall's Laverne, on the popular show Laverne and Shirley, uh, passed away today, her family says. She was 75, died after a brief illness. And uh, I lo- I used to love that show. I watched that show. I think it was on, I forget what night of the week it was, but it seems like I always watched it with babysitters when I was a little kid. And we used to laugh our head off. That show was was funny. Uh, I don't know. There's still there's only like reruns that I watch now that I think are, are funny of a couple of shows. Is there anything funny that's that's funny, just funny? I don't know. Anyway, uh, that happened, so I don't know where she was uh, as far as her faith, if she knew the Lord or anything like that, but uh, uh, we'll pray for her and or for her family and who are grieving her loss. All right, 888-528-2557. Before the break, we're talking about some of the uh, things facing Christians in the legal world today. Let's go to the phones. Paul in Westminster, welcome to Southern California Live. I like Happy Days also. Yep, she was on Happy Days too. Also, great show. Yeah. So the uh, there's it's been going on for a little bit, but it's very and it's legal too. Uh, it's called private member associations. You can look at on the alternative social media like you know Rumble and and BitChute, and and look at biblical principles. There's actually someone who speaks on those principles, but she gives out. So it's really unique. Uh, and uh, and these are these are some what what's the uh, what's the value of those things? What would people get if they looked that up? Well, uh, they will find out what the background of, for instance, Alexis de Tocqueville, the book about associations. Uh-huh. And there's actually a professor wrote a book on that. So I, that I don't have it on hand. I'm doing door dashing now. So a little bit. Uh, so I don't know exactly what it is. So I use, uh, not Firefox, the, the Lion one, uh, Brave browser, and it's a multi search engine. So if anybody uses that. It's really great. Yeah. Okay. uh, I'll check into uh, that. You said it's a private membership association, PMA. Yeah, PMA, yeah. All right. I'll check. Don't be be confused with the uh, sovereign citizen movement thing. They don't give really good reasons backing them up. Yeah, well, that's a whole different thing there. I had a neighbor who did it. Paul, thank you so much for your your call. Uh, very much. 888-528-2557 is the number. Jennifer and Whittier, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, thanks so much. Um, I had two things on my mind today. One is um, I've got four adult kids that I home educated all the way through. Yeah. Um, one's an engineer in Silicon Valley. One's a CPA in England. One is uh, teaching in South Korea. And one is um communications for a Christian environmental group on the East Coast. So, Jennifer, you're a good teacher. That's what it sounds like. You taught your kids well. You know, let me, let me say this, and this is really my encouragement to parents who are listening. I don't know that I'm a great teacher, but um, somebody told me when I started that, that 50% of what I would give to my kids is what I kept them from. Mm. And I think it's more true now, maybe 80%, maybe 90 but 
I I did a good job home educating. I know a lot of people who did better jobs, and I just want to say it's not as hard as you might think because a kid, if you don't get in their way, has a natural desire to learn. And if you sort of open the world to them and let them discover, they will eventually drive themselves. Um, it's easier when you start young, but it was such a gift. And now that my kids are grown and I travel to see them and spend time with them and I have, you know, four grandkids, it, I, I can say that they give me and gave me, even during that time, so much more than I ever gave them. Mm. So um, all of this aside, if you just want to give a beautiful gift to yourself, it's spending that time with your kids. It really is. Um, the other thing, uh, and so, you know, I know it's hard economically. I, I know that there are a lot of ways to skin a cat when it comes to home educating. And I, I, if I hadn't had a sibling of mine open my eyes to it, I wouldn't have seen it. So I don't know if I just want to plant a seed, investigate it a little bit. There are a lot of ways to do it. And you might be really surprised how your kids will thrive and how you can do it if you're both working. There are ways to do these things. Yeah, I think um, it's uh, it's great advice you're giving there, you know, for people. Because I, I think, Jennifer, a lot of it for, for parents is that they would really love to do it. But the idea of the time investment or the financial investment is overwhelming. Um, yes. And, uh, but, and, and let me, go ahead. Financially, not a lot of money. There's so much for homeschooling. open source stuff. As far. Yeah. Yes. And the other thing is time. Now, this this is a little, you know... I'm just going to be honest with you. There are certain requirements. I was not in California when I taught. There are certain time requirements that you are supposed to have your kids schooling every day. Well, it never took that much time because when you have a small classroom or a one-on-one and you're uh, also when you're driving around with your kids, when you're at dinner with your kids, when you're at the soccer field with your kids, you are enforcing what they learn all the time because you know what they're learning. You know what's happening in the classroom. Exactly. You yeah. taught it. So, you know, when my kids were little, we'll do, we're doing all that stuff in the car and all those, you know, and there, we don't have to have all those evenings spent schooling because every minute we're together, we're reinforcing. You don't lose all of that over the summer. It's, you know, from an efficiency standpoint, it's really shocking. Yeah. Um, but, you know, parents also, you know, co-teach. Um, uh, I'm sure you know there are just so many ways that this can be done. There's cooperatives, the right, and, and groups where, uh, yeah, uh, which I think is a good thing. There's a lot of options out there, I think, that parents should know about if you're thinking about this. And grandkid, grandparents, too, because you can participate if you've got that kind of relationship. You're, you're not the parent-grandparent, but depending on your relationship with your kid, your 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 children, you may have a role with your grandchildren in this way. Absolutely. I, mine don't live near me right now. They probably will, but all of my kids are gearing up to teach their kids at home. So that's a testament, you know, too. But the other thing I did want to mention is that I recently had a back injury and I was looking at my why to go swimming. And I asked them the question because of the difficulty in San Diego with the why there that people may know about. And I said, what you're talking about is the, uh, the situation in San Diego is that at a YMCA in the Santee, uh, there was a, a naked man in the woman's locker room uh, who claims to be a woman, and uh, somebody complained about this, a young woman who's 17, and uh, she was told that she's the one who's wrong, not this guy. Right. 
So I called the Y because because of my back, I, I really need to swim. And I asked, I I had a very bad experience with a man. I was in a medical situation with a man when I was left alone in the room with him. And so uh, I'm cautious anyway, but that's a bit of trauma. And so I said, can I expect to have women only in the bath, in the showers? And they said, well, I didn't realize it was law. According to California law, if a man comes in and says that he's trans, he gets to use the shower. That's correct. And be yeah, because we we don't want him to feel uncomfortable. And I said, but but I will feel uncomfortable. <laughs> why why in the world does his? It, it, let's just say all day long. This is legitimate. It's an opportunity for someone else to come in. A man who's you know not really caught up in that, but who just wants to commit a crime or have an opportunity to ogle women or all day long. There are a million ways that can go wrong, and it will go wrong. It yeah. will go wrong. And, you know, when we see these things like people beat in the street, we say, oh, why didn't we see this coming, or why didn't we make these changes? Well, this is coming. Oh, it is coming. And, and I think to... I'm going to have to, to – uh, I'm almost out of time here, uh, Jennifer, but I appreciate, yes, yes, I appreciate your call on, you. on that. And that, I think, is, is maybe the great point to leave here, is where is this going? Where do you think this is going to end up? The idea that uh, the Santee story, we we're going to do that uh, a couple of weeks ago before I we went on vacation, couldn't get to it, and it's still ongoing. Unfortunately, it's, it's, it is the law, and the YMCA is so far handling it pretty poorly, but uh, they are restrained by California law. Here's the thing is that that guy doing the same thing outside the door, he goes to prison, but walks inside the door, says, I'm a girl, and he has all the rights. That's crazy. It's absolutely crazy, but it is based in the idea that we have lost uh, a a moral sense, and most of us haven't, but we're we're not speaking out the way we should. Uh, we've lost the sense of male and female that God created them. That's why I think ultimately it is spiritual. It's mocking the Lord and His creation. Uh, and I'm and I'm, I want to be sensitive to people who are kind of genuinely dealing with gender dysphoria and things like that. I think there's a bunch of fakers out there, and I also think there's a bunch of people who are being emotionally manipulated that direction. Um, which is a whole other topic that we'll get into another time because we're out. Uh, be in prayer about these things. We'll keep talking about them, but I am at a hard break. This is Southern California Live. Scott Furrow, your host. Go to kkla.com. Get your Ask a Jew, Ask a Gentile tickets uh, today and uh, check it out. I'll be back tomorrow. Good to be back with you. See you then. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.